Welcome to HubShot's episode 138. In this episode, we look at HubSpot's marketing starter stack, including HubSpot conversations, and discuss a recommended marketing stack for startups and small to medium businesses. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, new features, and strategies for growing your marketing results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Halligan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is my lovely co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Well, lovely to be here. Well, welcome to... Um, to it's been a rainy day in Sydney and it's, it's the rain's of, continuing. It's one of those days where you uh, stay inside and are really productive. <laughs> it so, is. It's good. <laughs> But look, speaking of productivity, I think it's really uh, our thought of the week, or I guess inbound thought of the week, horses for courses and being productive as a small to medium business. Yes. And we're going to be looking at HubSpot's starter stack plus our, I guess, recommended starter stack. Marketing yeah. Stack. And this is because we've had a fair bit of look into stuff and we've been evaluating things. I think you've taken a step further and you're actually implementing some of this stuff. So it's good to see there's some... There's some gold at the end of this. So on to our inbound thought of the week, Craig. What does this starter and small stack look like? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that HubSpot's done well with their inbound and latest product releases, focusing mainly on enterprise, what it has done is pulled their product line all clearly into, into focus in terms of starter, pro and enterprise what we're going to look at today is the starter end of the market. So this is where you're getting started. We're not going to look at the free end. They do have free offering like CRM is free and Conversations is free, which we're going to chat about. But we're going to look at the starter, which is kind of getting started paying. So it is paid, but it's their entry level. And we're not only going to look at HubSpot's offering, which is a basically a foundation of what we'll call our marketing stack. We're going to look at our overall marketing stack. We're going to touch a little bit on sales later, but this is really about marketing today. And so what I thought I'd do is just mention kind of how we break up our clients. And we kind of have two buckets of clients. We've got the the small, we'll call them smaller businesses or the startups. And then we've got more our mid to large and enterprise businesses. So typically I was thinking, how do we categorize them? What do we do? Typically at the smaller end, we're dealing with a business owner or perhaps a part-time marketing person. They don't come from a big corporate background of marketing. They're just, they've probably picked up a little bit as they go along. We're actually going to be talking to that audience tonight. That's our our interest tonight. But in the other category, the way we normally think of it, we're normally talking to a marketing person, a general manager, a marketing manager, CMO. That's more of the corporate or the uh, right. larger end. So that's kind of how we break them up. It's kind of who you're talking to. And I guess we're talking uh, tonight, we're talking thinking in mind with those people at the smaller end and the stack that we have for them. And it's really good how marketing technologies evolved, hasn't it? Exactly. And I think even with the connectivity of HubSpot to other tools has enabled us to build this stack and be able to actually have something as a base that we offer people. So I'm going to now start us off. Let's start with the first thing people always ask, where's my website or what am I going to host that on? What are we going to say? Yeah, so we, as a general marketing stack, this is our entry stack. It's WordPress. 
hosted on WP Engine. Correct. Now, uh, we've spoken about WP Engine before. Mm. So that's specialized WordPress hosting. And we do it there because we've just had the best experience. Yeah, exactly. Why muck around with your website hosting? Exactly. I, Don't host your website in a dodgy area. <laughs> the, the number of clients that we've gone to where they've got $1,000 marketing budgets pointing traffic to a, a site that's on eight buck hosting and as slow as a wet week and doesn't perform. That's right. It's just incredible. So yeah. spend the money on decent hosting. And in the show notes, we've got prices for all of the things that we're going to chat about, but WP Engine starts at $35 US a month. It's great value for what you get really. That's right. peace of mind. Now the next part of the marketing stack is HubSpot Marketing Starter, and that starts at $50 US a month. And we're going to dive into that in the next shot, but yeah, we'll come back to that. And what are we going to use in terms of email and a bit of automation? Yeah, email automation is MailChimp. Starting at $15 a month. That's right. And to look after your social, we would recommend using Buffer, and that starts at $15 a month US as well. So look, there's lots of other offerings in the market, of course, and you might have your own favorites, but that's our stack that we go out with. So that's WordPress on WP Engine, HubSpot Marketing Starter, MailChimp, and buffer that's our kind of go-to base that's the core right yeah now let's say we want to build landing pages we we use a tool called landing in and that starts at 39 dollars a month yeah again there's tons of landing page tools but that's this is right. one that we love in terms of reporting we look at that using databox and that starts at 49 dollars a month now if we want to actually see what people are up to on our website and gain some intelligence we like using hotjar and that starts at 29 dollars a month yeah hotjar is like a heat mapping tool and it records video of people going through your site so you can review that and then finally we can't forget sales we've got hubspot sales starter and that starts at 50 dollars a month per user us dollars yeah that's right so all of these are in the show notes we've got links to them all they're kind of our recommended stack we'll mention that all of these products have a, a free entry tier as well So even, you know, Databox has a free tier and MailChimp, of course. Why we've gone for the starter stack is because normally that's when they remove branding, they remove a few other limitations and things like that. That's kind of where we're starting. That's why we call it the starter stack. Yeah. And then in comparison, uh, mid to large stack looks like Craig, generally using HubSpot Professional and upwards. So that's starting at 800 US dollars and working its way up. Reporting. Yep, same data box as well and also Hotjar as well. So Correct. even though they're parts of our starter stack, they're parts of our more mid to large stack as well. And then obviously you can use HubSpot Sales Pro that goes with that. And that again starts at around 500 a month yeah. for five users. So so there are things in there. And this why we're talking about this because it's becoming more and more integral to businesses to have one place to go to. So what we tend to find with smaller businesses Doing marketing starter and CRM is great because that's mainly the part that people operate in. As we start to deal with larger teams, they start to look at other things. Oh, where's my landing page? How is that CTA performing? And they start to really drill down into lots of different areas. And I think having the one tool to do that is actually a fantastic thing. Yeah, I totally agree. When you're starting to get to a size where having that kind of insight does make material changes to your business, it's well worth it. And we're going to pick up on that in a later shot when we talk about the question of at what point would you upgrade from, say, HubSpot Starter to HubSpot Pro? When does it make sense? Correct. So we'll come to that. Now, Craig, tell me the price. Yeah, look, if I just think of our starter stack, those ones that we mentioned, WordPress, WP Engine, HubSpot Marketing Starter, MailChimp, Buffer, Landing, Databox, Hotjar, that comes to $232 US. 
per month. Yes. Right, for all of those tools for that kind of what we call our, you know. Which is pretty impressive, really. It's, it's not too bad. And, of course, if you're in Australia, it's about 327. And as the dollar goes down, <laughs> yes. probably getting more. Yes. <laughs> What's that pain I feel? That's our currency rate. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, look, I guess this is it for a small business or a startup or, you know, to power your growth, 200 bucks a month, you know, it's pretty good. You're getting yeah. a ton of utility, a ton of functionality there and central to that, I guess, is HubSpot Starter, which we're going to dive into next. Okay, and that's going to be our marketing feature of the week, Craig, and we're going to talk about the Starter product and conversations. Now, HubSpot Conversations has been a really key part to this, and we're going to look why it is because it's got the shared inbox so a lot of people we know who would operate might actually have a sales at email or a customer service at their business and a shared inbox is great for that to manage those conversations we have bots which is something that we've been talking about for a while and we have live chat or targeted messages right and these are really key things in the hubspot marketing starter yeah, that's right. So when we uh, we think of HubSpot Marketing Starter, that's one of the versions of HubSpot, as you know. And we're going to talk about our favorite parts of Marketing Starter. And Conversations, which you've just outlined there, is one part of Marketing Starter. And of course, they has, it has a free version as well. You can actually get a Conversations free. So Conversations is kind of part of all of the HubSpot tools, but we're talking about it in reference to HubSpot Starter. Correct. Now, in terms of Marketing Starter... The other things that are included, so forms are really a key part. So you can put use the forms on your website, collect the data straight into HubSpot. Yeah. So actually, I think this is worth highlighting because this is reasonably new. I mean, when did forms yes. come out? It was like six, it's within six months ago, Correct. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now in HubSpot Marketing Starter, you get forms and you can put them on your site. It can be on your WordPress site. So as part of our stack, you might have a WordPress site. We'll put the marketing HubSpot Startup forms on WordPress, and then all that does going straight into HubSpot. The next thing that we always talk about and love is lead flows, and that is in Starter as well. We love our lead flows, don't we? Yes, we do. Next, we have contact timelines. So this is another key part in free. Timelines obviously got seven days worth of data that you can see, and the rest is pretty much and that's why Truncated. we're not talking about free. We're talking about starter, where it's so, all unlocked. So you're getting you're getting contact you timelines. Get and I think that's a really key. Timeline, yeah. That's a really key aspect of when we show people here's the contact timeline. People are often like, "Oh wow, that's really cool. That makes sense. I can see this journey taking place." Yeah. You've also got smart lists. So this is something that they give you in marketing starter. I think it's limited. It might be twenty five or something like that. But yeah, you can create criteria. Yes. Put smart lists. So that's nice. And lead ads. So this is connecting straight to Facebook where you can run some lead ads. So they're just some of our favorite tools in the marketing starter piece that I think are really differentiated. Forms, lead flows. We didn't mention what lead flows are. So for any new listeners who might not be aware of lead flows. They are these fancy little slide-ins that take place and always create great conversion and collect data. So one of the thing, great things with lead flows that we find is you can actually make it really specific where you can tell it when to, on 50% scroll or after a certain time limit to show itself, basically take people through a step process of, you know, provide them a download or taking them to a particular page or 
Lead capture. Lead capture. As simple as it gets. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. So look, just to summarize all those things on marketing starter. So you've got, let's say you've got your WordPress website. That's powering your website. You get marketing starter, HubSpot marketing starter. You've got your forms on there. You've got your lead flows, which as you said, your slide-ins or your pop-ups. That's all your lead flows from HubSpot marketing starter. You've got your chat bots. So you've got your bots that you can show. That's all HubSpot marketing starter. On your WordPress site, they'll pop up. You can enable that all from HubSpot starter. You've even got your normal chat, live chat, all there as part of marketing starter. You've got your smart list and you've got your lead ads through to Facebook. So there's a ton of functionality that you've got there just with those two tools, WordPress, HubSpot starter. And then, of course, anyone that you collect, they sign up. We link that with MailChimp and then you can do your email automations in MailChimp. Now, we will say HubSpot starter does allow you to send an email and campaign-based emails. But we love the automation that you get in MailChimp. Just that's that right. Email sequences. So that's the key reason we've actually included MailChimp as opposed to just using HubSpot Marketing Starter. All right. And that's our, I guess that's a, a pretty comprehensive <laughs> marketing starter stack. The amount you get for 50 bucks US a month is pretty useful, I think. Yeah. And in saying that, there are enough features in there for you to use, get started, build momentum, and then look at... When do we upgrade? Right? Well, that's right. And that's a, that's a good question. When would you upgrade from marketing starter? So you've got the point marketing starter, you've got all this working. At what point does it make sense to stump up the extra dollars and go to marketing professional? professional. So there's a few things. First of all, you get the social included, so you don't need buffer anymore for that. Sure. And you get landing pages included, so you don't need landing in. But there's a bunch of additional features and probably the one that's the most powerful is workflows. Yes. And so workflows is uh, much more than just an email sequence. You might get in MailChimp. It's everything. So you can send internal emails. You can send follow-up emails, of course. You can create tasks. You can send internal SMSs. You can clear out certain contact contact properties. properties. You can set, yeah. You can trigger certain things. You can trigger child workflows. Yes. You can set off a whole bunch of things. Yeah, so workflows are extremely powerful. Uh, that's a key part of professional. And I think that's probably one of the key reasons when people get to this point where we're going, oh, we want to automate a whole bunch more of our marketing. That's when workflows are the compelling feature. And that's right. Upgrade. But and then, there's more. And then there's more. In the, and this is all really in breaking down the whole part about uh, when we talk about the flow of what's happening. Then we've got um, calls to action, so CTAs. CTAs that you can create to stick on blog posts, on pages, Embedded on your site. Then you've got smart content. So this is obviously based on device or where else do they come from, Craig? It can be um, geography. Yes. And lists, smart lists. lists, Yeah. So that's another thing. And that's actually what's interesting. That's a heavily underutilized piece of functionality that people use. It does take a bit of getting used to. So I think this is a... Interesting, when you take that step, there is all of this new world that you've got to explore and you have access to use. The next thing is A-B testing. So we spoke about it in the last episode. You can A-B test a call to action. You can A-B test a landing page. What else can we A-B test? Emails as well. That's correct. So, so there you have it. And the final item is actually better reporting. So yeah, look, the reporting's pretty good for what you get in Starter and even for free, actually. But um, it takes a pretty big jump once you get into professional. That's right. 
and even more so after they've introduced a lot of that in yeah. after inbound so. all the customer reports which Correct. will be coming up in a future episode we're going to do a deep dive right. into um, hubspot reporting what is the main reason we do this craig well overall it's simplicity it's all in one it's all in one package so exactly. instead of having all these separate tools all in one there's a productivity boost and there's also a coordinated reporting boost as well that's right okay on to the marketing tip of the week craig and we're going to talk about the landing landing pages versus the mailchimp landing pages now this is a question I asked you because I've used Landingy. I haven't used the MailChimp ones and I actually was questioning why we didn't use the MailChimp ones, which are actually included in the starter package. So can you tell us why we wouldn't use the MailChimp landing pages? Yeah. So, um, well, you might because they're a good fit. As, as we said right at the start, horses for courses. So they're a good fit for very simple requirements. If you're using MailChimp, which we would as part of this starting stack, why not just create a landing page in, in MailChimp? Well, for some cases, it's perfect because all you're doing is putting a heading, an image, a bit of text, and a form. You're done, right? However, when we're creating landing pages, I want a bit more control. So one of the key things that we include in all our sites is we use Google Tag Manager for inserting a bunch of pixels. So it's basically tracking. Yeah, yeah tracking. Now, with MailChimp landing pages, you can't do that. They support Google Analytics and they support Facebook Pixel, but that's it. You can't put Google Tag Manager, so you can't put LinkedIn Pixels, Twitter Pixels, Hotjar, any of these other tools that you want to insert, which we often do. Yep. So that's a limitation. I don't like that. Also, you can't, um, there's no sense of a thank you page. And also, there's no, you're really limited to the template. So with uh, landing, you get a lot more flexibility on the design and uh and they have some really good designs yeah Yeah. great designs so so for example let's say you wanted to create a landing page about signing up for a webinar really difficult with mailchimp whereas landing that's going to be a much more appropriate so yeah it's about getting the right scenario that's right so i think these are really key elements that you need to consider as to why you would use a certain platform all right the sales feature of the week craig and we're not going to forget the sales hub starter so one thing to know that this particular sales hub starter is actually built on a per user basis. So it's $50 US per person. When you move up the tree, it kind of, you get five included. When you get to enterprise, 10 is included. So you kind of think, oh, it's a massive jump. But really, as, as you move up the tree, it's all relative to where you are. So some of the key things in the HubSpot sales starter I want to highlight is conversations routing now this again ties in with what we were talking about having the whole conversational strategy so that's a really key part prospects tool which we love and i often show that to people and they're often like oh have those people been on my website and and i think it's a great place to start and if you're in sales know who's visiting your site right hey can i jump in with a little anecdote about that yeah one of our clients they're in a certain innovation space and they were going to have coffee, coffee, right. I've got air quotes here, with someone that is in the industry but not a direct competitor but potentially a big kind of, they're a big weight in the industry and these guys start up. Anyway, the big weight said, we want you to sign an NDA to have coffee with us. And we're like, what? Oh, that's weird. Anyway, we looked in the prospects uh, t- tool. You know what? The 
they, this company, none of them had signed up, but we can see from that that this company, there'd been like 160 separate visits to the website. Wow. Over the way. And then we're even tracing through and finding that some people had signed up with, you know, throwaway. Oh, yeah. And we're just looking at it and they're just going, something's really weird here. Yep. So those two things combined, the prospects tool was kind of a key insight for this startup to kind of say, wow. hang on, something weird's going on here. So anyway, I just throw that anecdote in. It's, well, there you go. It's, it's intelligence, a useful right? It's intelligence. Yeah. It's a useful tool, yeah. And the next thing that I want to highlight is email sequences. Now, don't get this mixed up with workflows because people often do. So this is the sequencing that happens one-to-one. So give you an example. I'm trying to make contact with you, Craig. So I might actually say, hey, Craig, we should uh, let's contact Charles from Sinks. I think he'll be a great fit for our product. <laughs> that's right. right? That's, that's an in-joke from a couple of episodes ago, folks, yeah. So that might be the first email. Then you might say the next sequence is if I don't hear back from Charles, what's the next sequence? Oh, Charles, just making sure you actually got my email, right? So that's email number two. Email number three is like, Charles, do you think I got the wrong address or have you moved on? Maybe I should end the conversation here. So that's a sequence, right? That's a really simple sequence. What happens in sequences is that you can pretty much say, I want to enroll Charles in this sequence. We kick it off. If he ever responds, this sequence basically gets exited. So it basically finishes at that point and then you're supposed to take over the conversation. But this enables you to actually have that ongoing flow of emails without having to go, oh, hang on, it's been three days since I wrote to Charles. Let me write again. And that's the benefit of it. So it's kind of like a one-to-one automation. Hashtag crushing it. That's right. And of course, we spoke about branding being removed. So that's one of the other key things with the sales product. All right. Shout out to you, Charles. Alter opinion of the week, Craig. Sans Forgetica. What can you tell me? RMIT. Well, I, well, you you logged this one. <laughs> what can you tell me? Like, I, I I thought it was an interest story. Like, there's a font. It's called yeah, Sans. Yeah, so basically. It's. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, you, you can explain that. <laughs> Basically, they create a font that uh, can boost your memory, right? And I think you very aptly pointed out. So have a look. Like, Click on the link. Have a look at this font. They actually studied 400 uni students, which is not really that great. And the 57% recall versus 50% with Arial, right? Really not that massively look, different. Look, I, I, can't, I, I can't believe the amount of... PR this got like this story. I know like because everyone you, was, you heard about it. Everyone right? was covering it, and it's like people talk about it in forums and everything. I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. Like the study is based, as you said, 400 students, and it's like a seven percent increase in recall. And suddenly, it's like this font gives you massive memory boost. I'm like, it's. I'm sure there's something there. Like it's interesting, but there's nothing. It's amazing what gets shared what gets so shared, widely, exactly. widely. Yeah, good clickbait article. So. What was our opinion of that? The font was hard to read, so therefore you work harder and therefore you remember it more. You're more Correct. And I also it. think one thing when I was looking at it was that sometimes if you look at it too hard, you actually have to work twice as hard to kind of figure out what the letters were. Whereas if you didn't think too hard and actually had a look, you didn't work too hard to actually figure out what that word was saying. Because yeah. I looked at the combination, I was like, oh, okay. And then I kind of took a step backwards and thought, Okay, well, I can see how this can happen. Yeah, I think this uh, this rings a bell. I mean, have you ever read Daniel Kahneman and uh, Thinking Fast and Slow? He did a whole lot of these kind of experiments around learning and, you know, 
biases and stuff like that. I think this might have come from some of his early research where they looked at if making things harder to read improved learning and mm. and the way we think. Yeah. And, of course, it stresses the brain and yep. that actually does cause us to recall better. So it's probably just building on those kind of concepts. And it's inter- it's an interesting experiment, right? But, mm. um, look, I don't know if I'd be suggesting to anyone that they make their marketing collateral harder to read. Well, well maybe I would. Test and measure, right? <laughs> and uh, the best part yeah. is you get... Download the font at the end of this That's piece. That's right. Oh, we're going to just switch the Humshots site over to Sans Forgetica. Uh, uh, all right. On to our retirement of the week, Craig. And we say bye to Google Plus for consumers. Now, why I say Google Plus for consumers is that when I first read this, there was a whole thing to do with uh, data privacy and data being lost. And then as I drilled down to the actual announcement from Google, I actually figured out it's actually the consumer part that they're actually winding down. There is actually going to be more features available to businesses and how that happens. So I think this is a really interesting one. Like there's all these things, people going off and saying, oh, it's all going out the door. We've lost it. It's not happening anymore. But really, it's just one slice of the pie. Well, it is. And also the flurry of people sent writing articles. Here's how to delete your Google Plus account given the data breach. We're like, uh, hang on, let me check that. Like... Actually, there was a developer access potential, Correct. which they plugged in March, right? So it's no longer there for starters. And yet everyone jumps, ah, oh, security breach as if it's the next big Facebook breach and stuff like that. So again, folks, I think you've got to read these articles. I, I actually got emails from people saying, oh, is this a concern? What should we be doing? I'm like, well, it's not really a concern. Do nothing at the moment. And in fact, Google's probably going to give you an easier way to just close it off in the That's future. That's exactly right. And as you say, they're keeping it for enterprise because they've got their whole Google Hangouts kind of side of the business, exactly. which they're actually growing and putting a lot more investment into. So, And it actually works quite well. Mm. So, yeah. So, look, here's one of those things highly sensationalized. Yeah. And so I've included an article there from The Motley Fool and then the original post from... Google's uh, blog that actually talks about, they actually kind of, they called it Project Strobe and um, it's under their safety and security. So, which I thought was really interesting to put that under there in terms of how they've announced it to the world. All right. Now, resource of the week, Craig, and this is the fundamentals of conversational growth strategy, which I'm halfway through. And so this is learning the fundamentals of one-to-one messaging strategy and how to develop one for your business. Now, we, we did touch on this a couple of episodes ago, and uh, I said I'll be onto it, which I am. And But I thought it really fitted well with this week's topic. So I encourage people to actually go and do that. There's about an hour's worth of videos, which you can watch at one and a half speed, some quizzes along the way. But it'll really give you a good understanding of the kind of concepts and thoughts that are happening behind this and really help you formulate a strategy for your business that you work in or are part of. So I think it's really key. So, yeah, highlight there. Then that's on the HubSpot Academy. Great resource. That's on my list. I haven't got to it yet, but I certainly will be. All right, Craig, I think you need to tell us about the quote of the week, Craig. Uh, This is gold. I couldn't believe this when you showed it to me (laughs) and read it out. I'm going to read this out, listeners. This is three paragraphs, on, so bear with me. No, I'll tell you how I came to this. I'm just going to remove the brand name till at the end, though, so... I'll, yeah, yeah, all right. Well, I won't tell you what I was searching for because that'll give it away, but I think you should read this. Okay. So I'm, I'm removing the brand name. We'll tell you who this is at the event. But what, what is this? In fact, as I read this, what is this talking? What the hell is this talking about? Here we go. 
We have developed a corporate design which is consistently digital first in its concept and design. We took a truly holistic interdisciplinary approach to creating design principles for all media and devices. The new brand appearance is flexible and modular in the sense of the atomic design. Rules are reduced to a minimum. In this way, today's and future devices can be designed so that an overall brand experience is given. At the same time, it allows plenty of scope for creative diversity. The result is a modern design and interaction principle for... I've removed the brand. The brand. Dynamic principles replace rigid rules. The brand portal we designed has gone online. It is accessible to everyone, an innovation in the industry and a symbol of new openness. <laughs> now, you read that to me. I was like, okay, like that's, uh, what is that talking? And So just explain what that's talking about. So I've got a client that is, uh, is a European mechanic. And so I was basically looking for all the logos of the European cars that he makes. And I went, I was, I was looking at Audi, right? And I thought, oh, I went to the, I went to all their websites. I went to the German website with this trend. I'm like, the logo's changed. Like what's, it just looks like four black circles, really. I was a bit confused. I was like, hang on, what's going on? Anyway, I was kind of going further, trying to understand what's happened to this, the Audi brand. And then I (laughs) stumbled upon this article that talks about different brands, which is a really interesting site. And I've got a link to it. But this is from the agency that did the brand and they were talking about it. And I was like, what the? <laughs> so that whole malarkey that I just read out was their description of the new logo. That's right. It's gone from four silver circles to four black circles, basically. That's right. Which apparently is allowing plenty of scope for creative diversity, Ian. And atomic design. And atomic design. So there we go. It's a symbol of a new openness. <laughs> An innovation in the automotive industry. I couldn't believe it. That they, they thought their logo was the, their new logo was an innovation in the automotive. Like, what is innovation these days? Apparently, it's four black circles. <laughs> Stop me now. All right, and there ends the quote of the week. Now, Craig, there is one bonus link, and I want to highlight this one. And these are for people that have Apple devices and you've upgraded to iOS twelve, and it talks about five useful Siri shortcuts that you can have. And um, I must say, we probably got sidetracked for about half an hour <laughs> playing with this. This, You know, when you you highlighted this in the bonus thing, I thought, what, what a waste of time these shortcuts are. What a ridiculous thing. Gee, they're good. How handy are they? <laughs> I totally I take everything back that I said. It's really useful. Yeah, so if there's one thing in this episode that you want to implement, <laughs> there it is. Siri shortcuts. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> All right. We'd love you to rate review and leave us some feedback as it helps us reach more marketers and reach more people that actually using HubSpot as a platform. And one thing we can ask is if you would take a screenshot of this episode and tag us. So how would they take a screenshot? You mean like in their podcast player? Yes. Yeah, right. And tag us. And tag us, yeah. So share it on Instagram. I'd love that. I would love that too. Has anyone done that? (laughs) No one's done it. (laughs) It seems like a lot of work. I'd love to see it, though. We need a Siri shortcut for that. (laughs) (laughs) Let me find one that everyone can download, and then it'll be really easy, Craig. Apologies to our Android listeners. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.